I'm joined again by my friend Margaret Stock. This is the second time you've done a podcast with me on Landmine Radio. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be back here. Landmine Radio is a very wonderful venue for debating current issues. I, I agree. I, uh, I did one with Don Young last week. And Have you listened to it? I have not yet listened should, to it. I will try, though. I'm you should having, listen to it. I'm having dinner with Congressman Young very shortly. so I'll, it's, a, it's a good one. It's, I definitely it's a, want to review that. A lot of history there with him. Uh, uh, anyway, so we've talked before, we did one a, a month or two ago about immigration. You're obviously an immigration expert. You've worked in the government and the Pentagon and the military, and you're an immigration lawyer. And you and I go way back from helping a friend of mine out many, many years ago who had an immigration mess. I recall that. You kept calling me at my house all the time asking for help. <laughs> you're the only person who could help, and you happen to live in a lot. Well, at the time you were teaching at West Point, I think, weren't you? Yeah, but you kept calling me at my house in Anchorage, and I, I remember I was uh, traveling back and forth between West Point and Anchorage quite a bit. And Why does he keep calling I would me? Get, I would get these messages from Jeff Landfield, and my husband would go, hey, Jeff Landfield called again. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I didn't know, get a restraining order against you, though. It was close. I feel like it was close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously the immigration's a big issue now. It has been for a while, and there was this stuff last week where – President Trump had said he was going to issue an executive order to end uh, birthright citizenship. He did. I found out about it because I was flying and I, I hit the ground in Minneapolis and started getting calls from the New York Times and all kinds of other publications asking me to be quoted on birthright citizenship. You're the first person I thought of because you obviously, you know, you, you talk, obviously you're quoted a lot in the Wall Street Journal, New York, I mean, all these different publications when it comes well, to I've immigration. Well, I've written a lot about birthright citizenship, and I've also been debating the issue for more than 10 years now. So let's talk a little bit about what birthright citizenship is, and kind of I know a lot of talk about the 14th Amendment. Maybe talk, talk us through what the 14th Amendment is, why it came about, and, and what um, birthright citizenship as we know it is to today. Okay, so what everybody's talking about is the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution, and it says, and I'll just quote it, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside, end quote. It's very simple, one sentence. Everybody thinks they know what it means, but apparently not now. There's a new interpretation that's being offered. Uh, but it came about as a result of the Civil War, and it came about as a direct response to the infamous United States Supreme Court decision called Dred Scott v. Sanford. Uh -huh. And in that decision, the United States Supreme Court had ruled that African Americans were not American citizens. And they couldn't be American citizens. That was a decision of the United States Supreme Court, which what? ultimately led to the Civil War. And what, at the end of the Civil War... What were they before that? They were, I mean, they were citizens of nowhere? Or? Well, the Supreme Court said they couldn't be citizens of the United States. They said that court's theory was that the white citizens of America had not consented to African Americans being citizens, and so therefore they couldn't be citizens. They consented to bringing them over from Africa, though, didn't they? Well, Some of them yeah. Did. Today we'd call them victims of human trafficking, and we would give them visas and you know give them green cards, essentially, and let them apply for citizenship. But back then they didn't have rules like that. And the Constitution is silent on immigration. There's nothing in the Constitution about immigration with the exception of a ban on the migration of slaves after 1808. That's it. There's well, there, nothing in the Constitution about it, immigration. Well, well as, as, as uh, it happens a lot, my Facebook ends up becoming a uh, 
weird place for comments. And you, you've gotten to somebody made some comment on there about all these immigration matters in the Constitution. And you said, well, it doesn't. No, there's <laughs> what actually, are you talking about? <laughs> there's nothing in the Constitution about immigration except for the ban on the importation of slaves. And despite the ban on the importation of slaves, slaves continued to be illegally trafficked into the United States after the ban was put in place by the Constitution. But people still kept bringing them in. And eventually, of course, we had a civil war and the slaves were freed. And in the post-Civil War environment, the, the folks that were trying to solve problems after the Civil War decided to make it explicit that the freed slaves were citizens of the United States and other people as well. So the 14th Amendment dealt with the uh, freed slaves, but did it also deal with just said other folks, other it people? It did. It dealt with other folks. In fact, on the debates on the 14th Amendment, there were a lot of debates where folks talked about other undesirable people they thought were running around the country at the time, including gypsies. And Orientals, they would call them. You know, that wasn't the politically correct term today, but back then they would talk about. It's like, the, Chi- like that. the Chinese that came to build. Like- yeah, so there was a debate. The framers of the Fourteenth Amendment were debating uh, what the meaning of the amendment was going to be, and Senator Edgar-, Edgar Cohen of Pennsylvania objected to birthright citizenship, and he said, "Quote: Is the child of a gypsy born in Pennsylvania a citizen? Is it proposed that the people of California are to remain quiescent?" while they are overrun by a flood of immigration of the Mongol race, end quote. And that's what he said. Who is and that the response, from? That was Senator Edward, Edgar Cohen of Pennsylvania. And the response from Senator John Conus of California said, he said the children of Chinese and gypsies, quote, shall be citizens, end quote. And he was, quote, entirely ready to accept the provision proposed in this constitutional amendment, end quote. So they did discuss other people besides the freed slaves. And ex- explicitly they discussed the fact that there were a lot of Asians flooding into California, and there were gypsies, you know, the Roma people. Roma, yeah. And they wanted to make their children citizens as well. So that was the explicit debate so, that was going on at the time. So obviously now today, tra- traveling is much, much easier than it was 100-some years ago. Um, back then, you could just, I assume you could just travel around, right? There wasn't, like, now, now we have need for a passport. You have to have a country of origin or citizenship to be able to travel places. At what point did that become more of a factor and, you know, making sure people had some kind of citizenship of, 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 a, of a country. Well, I, a travel, act, I think, is actually harder for people to get to the United States today because you have to have I just mean in general, just you know? like, but back then, it, you know, there wasn't airplanes and there wasn't ways to get around so easily. And you didn't, now we have to, anywhere you go, you have to have a passport. Well, people got, got to the United States, you know, millions of people made it to the United States. They got on boats. They walked across the border from Canada right. or Mexico. You know, the slaves were brought in on boats. We didn't have airplanes, but people managed to find their way to the United States, millions and millions of them. I guess what I'm saying is if people born in this country or, or any country um, now or in the past, especially now, have no like no citizenship of any country, uh, how, how would they be able to you know, travel? I mean, well, they wouldn't be able to. I mean, if, if you were born in the United States and you had no proof that you were born here, you know, you I mean, there are cases like that. I don't know if you've read the book Educated. It's been a kind of a hot book mm. lately but it's about a, a woman from a poor white family they didn't document her birth you know she was born at home and they never registered her for a long time as being you know born so she had no paperwork and we we have people that today in america live in remote areas that you know their births are never documented and so they have no proof that they're citizens in the united states till they go out and register somehow but you know even today in remote parts of america that happens on a regular basis wow yeah, yeah. You should go read uh, the book, Educated. Educated, okay. Educated, yeah. She talks about how she eventually got a PhD and became educated, but 
when she started her life off, she didn't have any proof of being born in America at all. So, so with the birthright, if, if let's say one, when now one parent is American citizen, and one parent is like if they were to get rid of it, I mean, would the person still be an American citizen? Or I mean, okay, so this is important for everybody to understand. Okay, so the Fourteenth Amendment is really simple. It's been a super simple rule, and it has this language in it though that says subject to the jurisdiction, and that's what. President Trump and the people who are saying they can change the law with an executive order rely on. They say, wait a minute, that phrase, subject to the jurisdiction, has been misinterpreted for more than 100 years. Traditionally, everybody thought subject to the jurisdiction meant that you were subject to the power of the United States courts, essentially. So if you're subject to the jurisdiction, it means you can be brought into court and charged with a crime if you're here. So like diplomats wouldn't be? Well, diplomats wouldn't be subject to jurisdiction, and invading armies would not be subject to the jurisdiction because if if we're attacked by another country, you know, Canada invades us or something, the Canadian army, you couldn't bring them into court for, you know, fighting with us because under international law, you're allowed to engage in fighting and law of war, and you can't bring somebody into court for murder if they're legally fighting in an army. Okay. So there were three groups traditionally in the in the late 1800s that were thought to be not subject to the jurisdiction, and those were diplomats who held immunity from the jurisdiction of the United States courts. Those were invading armies who were also immune from being brought into court, and interestingly, Native Americans who were living in tribes were not thought to be subject to the jurisdiction. Now, keep in mind, this was at a time when we were still fighting with Native American tribes. And so the tribes and their members were not thought to be subject to the jurisdiction. They couldn't be brought into criminal or civil court necessarily, although the position of the tribe is kind of complicated because some of them could be brought into court. But generally they were, they were thought to be sovereign nations. So those three groups were excluded under the rule that you know their kids were not citizens of the United States because they weren't subject to that the was, jurisdiction. That happened right away or that happened later through, through legal... No, that was what they thought the meaning of it was. Okay. You know, the 14th Amendment, it said, anybody, once again, I'll read it again to you so you can listen to the language again, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. So what they were saying was if a diplomat's kid was born in the United States, that child would not be a citizen of the United States because they're not subject to the jurisdiction. Now, that's still the law today. Although not in Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah, you, so you brought that up to me. There's a there's another law uh, specific to Alaska where if, after, I think it was 1924, was that when the law was? Well, so what happened was, of course, the 14th Amendment is passed. And at that time, Alaska is not part of the Union. Neither is Hawaii. So the 14th Amendment is passed. And then Congress passes enabling legislation. So Congress actually passes specific statutes to carry out the 14th Amendment. And as different parts of the world became part of the United States, such as Alaska and Hawaii, Congress passed additional statutes dealing with the citizenship of people in those places. So there's a specific statute that governs Alaska. Let me read that to you. It's not the 14th Amendment. It's a statute. And it's found in 8 United States Code 1404. That's a large book. What is that? This is the Immigration and Nationality Act. That's the Immigration... Yeah, this is the Immigration You you guys can't see this, but this book must be... I'm not sure, thousands of pages. Right, it's it's a pretty it's big huge. book. Yeah, it's a pretty big book. But anyway, so Congress decides they're going to pass some additional statutes that are going to govern the uh, citizenship status of people who were born in the places that got added to the United so States after. Territories, right? The territories, right. And one of the laws that they passed was this one that governs Alaska. Um, 8 United States Code 14, 1404. And I think I uh, posted it. I 
gave it to you so you could you post sent, it. You on. sent it to me, and then I, I posted it, and it started a uh, kind of barrage of co- comments came in about it. And Right. Well, it's actually a law passed by Congress, and we'll talk in a minute about what it would mean if the president decided to change yeah, the yeah, that's, that's, well, my first by question, executive order. But he, you, let's go ahead and just read it so everybody knows what it says. So it says, persons born in Alaska on or after March 30th, 1867. And I think you probably know the significance of that date. But Seward. This is a law passed by Congress. It's still part of our law, a federal law. It says, a person born in Alaska on or after March 30th, 1867, except a non-citizen Indian is a citizen of the United States at birth. A non-citizen Indian born in Alaska on or after March 30th, 1867, and prior to June 2nd, 1924, is declared to be a citizen of the United States as of June 2nd, 1924. An Indian born in Alaska on or after June 2nd, 1924, is a citizen of the United States at birth. Now, they're not using politically correct language. You know, they're using the term Indian, which is not something people use today. But this is actually part of federal law. It's still federal law. The words are still in the federal law. Um, And interestingly, they took the word subject to the jurisdiction out of here. It's not in there. Okay, so that indicates that anybody born in Alaska now, today, is a citizen of the United States, even if they're not subject to the jurisdiction. Even if they're a diplomat's kid. Even if they're a diplomat's kid. Invading army. Right. Now, in contrast, a diplomat's kid born in Washington, D.C. is not a citizen of the United States. But the law allows those children to get green cards. So they're automatically allowed to apply for a green card if they want one. They don't have to, but they, they can apply they for can a green card. They can become citizens later. If they, they can become they, citizens later. They just have to go through the regular process. So they have to apply for a green card and then wait the required amount of time. So the Alaska thing, that's, that's um, it's, it's Hawaii too, huh? Yep. Hawaii has its own law. So does Puerto Rico and Guam and the Virgin Islands. So could so – could, here's the question. Could the president undo – the 14th Amendment, or, or any amendment to the Constitution, by executive order? No. The president can't undo an amendment to the Constitution by executive order, any more than he can take the Second Amendment and eviscerate it by executive order by redefining militia. I, I think some of the folks said if, if Obama would have said, we're gonna, I'm going to issue an executive order and get rid of the Second Amendment, that would have, that would have created some real, <laughs> no, real he controversy. No, can, he, he, he can't do that. He would have said that, even said that. You know, some people get confused that. and they go, well, didn't President Obama try to do this with DACA? No, he didn't. He was actually relying on specific statutory authority that he'd been given by Congress when he put out right. the DACA program. Going back to one of add one thing the Alaska uh, deal the law somebody commented on my Facebook and I think they said their great aunt or it was somebody um, had actually been affected by that because they were born before 1924 right. and then later after that passed they became a citizen but they were born in Alaska Native Native Amer- um, American not a citizen that's and they true. got it after the law so they commented on my Facebook and they they said that that's absolutely true because they. Uh, affected their family. Right. Native Americans were not considered U.S. citizens until 1924. That was kind of a landmark. Not even 100 years. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, it's just the way the law worked at the time. And with with respect to the 14th Amendment, they weren't considered to be subject to the jurisdiction of the United States government. So that's the reason why they weren't considered to be citizens. Okay, so let's say Congress or however, let's just say tomorrow the the 14th Amendment is gone. There's no, no more birthright citizenship. Talk to me about how that would affect people born here uh, whose one parent is a U.S. citizen, nope, neither parent is a U.S. citizen, or a green card. I mean, just talk to me about all the scenarios that might... Okay, well, I mean, the, the short answer is nobody knows because the folks who say that the 14th Amendment has been misinterpreted don't actually explain how they would solve the problem. The only thing they say is that it's been misinterpreted for 100 years and it shouldn't cover 
different groups of people that that get citizenship because they're born here and they they never actually explicitly say who should not be a citizen it's usually taken for granted that it's going to be like the children of illegal immigrants but they never actually explain how this is going to work so picture the scenario a baby is born at providence hospital okay so the baby's born in alaska and let's say they repeal the statute so you're no longer a citizen. Well, first, you've got to replace it with something, right? Because there's no law that lets anybody born in America get a green card except diplomats' kids. That's it. So you'd have to replace the 14th Amendment with something or else everybody would be an unauthorized immigrant at the moment of birth. So they're going to have to come up with some rule. And the general rule that they've come up with is they say subject to jurisdiction means sole and exclusive allegiance to the United States. So, so the kid, parents from Canada or any other country or They say that child Thailand. would not be a citizen. Okay, but they don't say what the child would be. <clears throat> so apparently it's an, an unauthorized immigrant because there's no other option in the law right now. And they don't, they've never drafted a law to like, give green cards to all these kids being born in America. So it's either one or the other. You're either a citizen or you're nothing. So the proposal says you, your parents have to owe sole and exclusive allegiance to the United States. Well... If that's what they mean, and that's what they say they mean, then Donald Trump's not a citizen. And there are a whole bunch of politicians who aren't citizens. Mitt Romney's not a citizen. In fact, I wrote an article about this because I've been debating these folks for a long time, and I listed all the people who wouldn't be citizens of the United States if their interpretation of the 14th Amendment was correct. So Chester Arthur, the Republican president, he wouldn't have been yep. a citizen. John F. Kennedy, he would not have been a citizen of the United States. Donald Trump would not have been a citizen because his mother and his father both owed allegiance to foreign countries. Well, mother was Scottish. Mother was Scottish, right. Uh, Mitt Romney would not be a citizen. Uh, Rick Santorum would not be a citizen. Democrat Robert Menendez, he's a Democrat from New York, would mm-hmm. not be a citizen. Barack Obama would not be a citizen. Um, Marco Rubio would not be a citizen. Bobby Jindal would not be a citizen. Nikki Haley would not be a citizen. And then probably the most current one that's in the news right now, Mia Love. She's a Republican congresswoman from Utah yeah, who's right, right, got a hot re-election right now. But both of her parents were undocumented immigrants at the moment of her birth. And so she's the classic you know, derogatory anchor baby, quote-unquote. So let's talk a little bit about um, this term anchor baby. It's been used a lot. We talked about this a long, a long time ago. And explain how that doesn't actually – it's not practical. If you have a, a kid here – you don't get there's not nothing that makes you automatically a citizen or that's you correct. Wait, you have to wait till the yeah. kid's eighteen, right? Yeah, I mean the term is it's a derogatory term is it's kind of an insult and it implies somehow that your parents are going to get an anchor because you were born in the United States. But the fact is that a baby born in America doesn't give immigration status to a parent. Um, they used to a long time ago, but not anymore. So if a baby's born in the United States, the baby's a citizen, but the parents don't get now, any benefits. What about the folks from from China and Russia and other countries who who are wealthy who come here? They pay all the money. It's like I think it's like a hundred grand, and they have the kid in America, and the kid gets and they do it. They they want the kid to have that passport for the future. Um, what do you think about that? Well, you know, the government could regulate that if they want to, but they don't want to because there's a lot of money involved. Right. No, it's, but, it's huge money. Isn't you it? know, lots of people have come to America and had kids here. Boris Johnson used to be the mayor of London. Oh, yeah, he's his a parents, he's, he's like a Trumpian. Right. Character. His parents came over to America, had him in America. He was a citizen of the United States at birth. He was quite upset about it because when he was an adult, he was trying to sell his condo in London. And the IRS demanded a chunk of the cash because oh, wow. one of the interesting things is that if you're a citizen at birth, you got to file taxes. So all these wealthy people who have children in the United States, I, I don't think the government warns them, which they should, that the kids now have to file 1040s every year from China or Russia or whatever. So what, what about and their dual, income's taxable. What about dual? I mean, American, plenty of Americans have dual citizenship. 
if this were to somehow change, could it could because some countries don't allow dual citizenship, correct? Some don't, but the majority do nowadays. It's it's becoming more and more common to allow it. In but, Australia, I don't know if if you know this, you, you probably do. When I was there uh, in the Senate, not not their lower body, but their Senate, um, there was a huge scandal there when I was there a year over a year ago. Um, they could only have allegiance. They can only have an Australian basically citizenship. They can have allegiance to other countries to be in the Australian Senate. Well, the scandal started where many of them have had parents and they started finding out that one of them was an English, they didn't even know it. And then I think it affected many, like five or six of these senators had to resign because they all ended up having like, one had, many had English and Irish and I think one was somehow had American citizenship. Right. Well, we think, scholars think about at least 25% of the U.S. population has dual citizenship and it, it is recognized. You know, you hear people saying, oh, there's no such thing. Well, that's not true. Look in your passport. If you look in your passport, you'll see a warning there about dual citizenship. The U.S. government does allow it, does recognize it. There's a Supreme Court case from World War II where a Japanese-American was trying to argue that he wasn't subject to U.S. law because he wasn't an American citizen and he had been born here. And the Supreme Court said, no, you were born in the United States and you're a dual citizen and we can try you for treason because you're a citizen of Japan and the United States. Oh, wow. Yep. And well, there have been a lot of cases I, like that. I've got a, uh, two friends. They used to live here. They, they moved uh, to Texas. But he's uh, Italian passport and a Venezuela passport. She's Russian. So they had a baby, and the baby's born here, so it's an Amer- the American citizen, American passport. Also has a Russian passport. Also has an Italian passport. So, that can happen. I've I mean, seen this, people this, with five or six. This kid's uh, yep. going to have a good, lot, lot of yeah. options in the future. Yeah, and it's up to the – I mean, the interesting thing about it is that um, the the – large number of Americans who are dual citizens and don't even realize it. Anybody with an Irish grandparent is can be a citizen of Ireland. All you have to do is claim right. it, you know. Uh, people with Italian grandparents, people who are Jewish can claim Israeli citizenship. There's just a tremendous number of Americans who can claim dual citizenship in another country. So, so talk a little bit about, I mean, you wrote, I was seeing you post some of the stories of, of folks who, who, like Mia Love, for example, but the, the people that are born here... Um, become citizens, I mean, they, they, in a lot of ways, they end up contributing greatly to America through paying taxes, through, you know, going to school, getting a job. Um, talk a little bit about, about all the people that have become citizens through the 14th Well, Amendment. people who are citizens get jobs, they work, they pay taxes, they join the military, they become members of Congress like Mia Love. You know, um, Didn't you say but, a huge percentage of the military is, would, yeah, could a lot be affected of, by this? tons of military people, and, and we know that because Congress... And the president in prior administrations recognized the fact that there were thousands and thousands of U.S. citizens in the military who had undocumented parents. And they created a policy which still exists, which President Trump is still carrying out, that says those parents of U.S. citizens serving in the military can get special status. They can apply for green cards inside the United States. So that is a benefit that they're getting from you know, having children in the U.S. who are in the military. They don't get a general benefit for people who aren't in the military, but if the kids join the military, the ones who were born in America, then they can get benef- immigration benefits for their parents. So, you know, United States history, xenophobia is nothing new. It's It's been here forever. But do you think it's worse than it has been in the past? I mean, you've st- you're an expert on this stuff in American history. Do you think it's worse now? It seems like so many people are just, they're, they're, they're anti-anybody any, coming here. It doesn't matter who it is now. Well, we have deep divisions in our society right now politically. I mean, you, you can that's been documented. And one of the key issues that our leadership seems to be using to drive a wedge between Americans is the issue of immigration because people are pretty emotional about it. Um, this is the first time we've had a U.S. president pushing the fringe theory that you can issue an executive order and overturn an amendment to the Constitution. We've never had that before. We've never had a president who didn't recognize birthright citizenship. 
Do you think so this is a new thing, and you know that's the reason why people are talking about it because the president's announcing that he's going to overturn a fourteenth the Fourteenth Amendment to the Constitution with an executive order. Do you think he actually believes he can do it, or do you think he's doing it to to kind of stoke fear and, and get get people activated and go go vote? I think it's the latter, probably, because there's no legal way to do it. And his do, lawyers are going to tell him that eventually, you know. It just, it just seems to me that he's not a big, he doesn't care much about, he wants to do what he wants to do and he's going to do it. And uh, he says all these things and I guess a lot of them are just things he says, but it seems to me he's not one much, I mean, he talks about the rule of law, but he seems to kind of ignore it if it's convenient for his and, and well, I mean, just, Jeff, think about the practical matter. Okay, so let's say he issues an executive order tomorrow and it says no baby born in the United States can be issued a U.S. passport anymore. Okay, so somebody's going to have a baby tomorrow in Providence Hospital, and they're going to want to go on a trip and show the baby to grandma. And they're going to apply for a passport, and this passport agency is going to say, I'm sorry, but you have to provide proof that your baby's a U.S. citizen, and being born in the United States isn't proof. So what are they going to do? Okay, well, there's no procedure for them to get a certificate of citizenship from DHS. DHS only gives those to people born outside the United States, and they charge 1170 bucks. For so, one of those certificates. So what about so what, what about what now? Is the person's going to sue. What know? about now if you, if you're a one, one or both parents is an American citizen and you're, and you're born somewhere else in the world? Okay, so if you're born outside the United States right now, you're not a Fourteenth Amendment citizen. So Ted Cruz is an example. Okay, Ted Cruz was born in Canada. So if Ted Cruz wants a U.S. passport, he has to file an application with either. USCIS, if he wants to get a certificate of citizenship, citizenship immigrant. right, and that's one thousand one hundred seventy bucks to file. That it takes more than a year for them to make a decision on it. He's going to have to provide proof that his parents were U.S. citizens, that they were married. Both, you know, both. Yep. What if just one is? Well, he's still going to have to fill out this lengthy paperwork and prove the status of his parents and how much time they had in the United States prior to his birth and so forth. It's going to be a big fat application. That's why it costs one thousand one hundred seventy bucks. He's going to send that in a year later. USCS is going to come back to him and say, yeah, we agree you're a citizen. Come down to our office in Anchorage and you can pick up your certificate, your citizen, and then you can go get your passport. He can also directly try to file with the passport agency, but he's still going to have to provide a big fat stack of documents. Now, right now, if you're born in the United States, you don't have to do any of that. You just get your birth certificate, you send it off, everything's fine, and you don't need to do anything with immigration because you're not an immigrant. But if everybody in the country has to do that, it's basically going to be a $1,000 baby tax on every baby born in the United States. Now, they'll have to expand the bureaucracy. They'll have to create a system to issue these certificates to people born in America. If if it takes a year now, imagine what it would... Right. And so for all that time, let's say a baby's born in Providence, they're not going to have any proof that they're a citizen of the United States for a year or more. What about the Alaska deal? Well, again, somebody's going to have to sue because presumably they're going to say, well, wait a minute, there's this federal law that contradicts the executive order the president just issued. Which one is binding? You know, somebody's going to file a lawsuit. The first baby born at Providence will file a lawsuit. Um, and they'll get an injunction against the executive order and it'll be deemed unconstitutional. I mean, it's you just can't, you can't con- contradict a statute or the Constitution with an executive order. That's just not allowed. It's not how our legal system works. Um, so anyway, it, but it's going to be an interesting fight if he actually does it. I, I suspect he's not actually going to do it because most of these things like the tax cut right before the election didn't happen. Um, I don't think uh-huh. after Tuesday he's probably going to be issuing illegal executive orders, amending the 14th Amendment. I mean, I just think you, somebody's going to call some sense and say, you just can't do this, Mr. President. Re- regarding the 14th Amendment and the, and the birthright citizenship, do you think there should be any changes through Congress or do you think it's just the way it is is the, the way it should be? Well, I think it's much better for America to have it the way it is right now because it's simple. It's not 
putting the hands of your status in the, the hands of the bureaucrats. You know, I, I do a lot of these cases for kids born overseas, and they're tremendously complicated, difficult, and expensive. And a lot of people take years and years to get a certificate out of the bureaucracy. I know one young man in Anchorage's family tried to file without a lawyer, and they got denied several times and took them more than 10 years to get a certificate of citizenship. Didn't you tell me, uh, I think it was years ago, someone came in here and was really nervous and they were they were, they were were uh, illegal or they were, undoc- they were whatever, overstayed the visa and they were freaking out. And then you looked at it and you ended up determining they were an American citizen and they had no idea? Right. Well, I find that with a lot of people born overseas that they often got U.S. citizenship and they didn't know it. But it and it's great business for me, you know. I mean, it's, don't it's, get me wrong. This is booming like right booming with... business, right? If if the president overturns the Fourteenth Amendment with an executive order, I'm going to need to hire like twenty new attorneys to handle all the. I'm the looking business at your office. There's all these cases. I assume these are all no. Things it's you're working on. it's business is booming, right? President Trump has been full employment for immigration lawyers because he's expanded the bureaucracy. He's making it tougher and tougher for people to get any benefits. Businesses can't bring workers into the country. People are being denied their citizenship if they don't have an attorney. Uh, people are having to go into federal court and sue to get visas approved and things. And it, right now, he, he's been the best thing for immigration lawyers. But, yeah, but I but, don't know that that's necessarily the best thing for the country, that immigration well, law was, is suddenly this booming specialty. I'm I was going to sure say, that's... I mean, I know you're so busy now, and I've had oftentimes friends who have immigration issues come to me, and they, they, they know that I know you, And <coughs> but you're so busy now. Are you still not taking new cases? We're or? not taking new cases. Because... We're just too busy, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you're good for immigration lawyers, but but bad for folks that are here that are trying to get their immigration matters resolved. Or it's a very chaotic situation right now. Yeah, and it's basically because the administration keeps making things more bureaucratic, more expensive. Uh, people can't navigate the system anymore without an attorney. It's just well, become impossible and, for them to do. And I, I know from personal experience with having friends hire hire attorneys who are quote unquote immigration attorneys, and they aren't. And they cause end up causing more problems for the for the person. Right, and that's a problem. Immigration law has always been the most complicated legal specialty on the planet. Uh, it's just you know extraordinarily complicated. The forms have gotten longer and longer and more incomprehensible. The green card application now is eighteen pages, and a lot of the questions people can't even understand what the questions are, and they need an attorney to explain them. So the the fee for that. Um Application for citizenship if you're born abroad is one thousand one hundred seventy. It's one thousand one hundred seventy dollars to get a certificate of citizenship. But what's the what's the fee for the lawyer end up adding to that? Thousands. A lot of lawyers charge five or six thousand dollars to do an application for a certificate of citizenship. Wow. Wow is right. Yep. And everybody's going to need one. So there'll be new H and R Block citizenship offices opening nationwide if the president does what he says he's going to do. So what what do you you know I know you're you've been involved in on the congressional level and you've testified and. You follow this stuff. What, what do you see happening in the next two to four years and then further down the road? Um, well, a lot of it depends on what happens in these elections that are coming up. But, you know, the birthright citizenship thing, I think, is an empty threat. I mean, Paul Ryan even said that's that. not going to happen. Yeah. Every reputable legal scholar says that's not going to happen. You can go check out the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Josh Blackman, who is a very conservative Texas law professor, just published an article saying birthright citizenship is a constitutional mandate. You know, this is the Wall Street Journal and it's a conservative Texas law professor. So I don't I don't think the president can change it by executive order. I think he knows that. He just wanted to get his base all excited about another immigration issue because the tax cut didn't happen, you know, the one that he promised before Tuesday. So he's got to deflect people's attention and one way to get them thinking about something else is to get all get them all riled up about their kids not being citizens. So throughout history, you know, there's been xenophobia regarding Italians and, and Jews and Irish Irish and Chinese um, and 
different things have happened in the legal, you know, with, with laws. What, what do you think could be the potential backlash if this anti-immigration xenophobia, xenophobia continues and gets worse? Well, it hurts the country. You know, it's we've got a demographic time bomb happening here. And if we don't allow some relief through immigration, we're going to end up with a very weak society eventually. You know, we've a rapidly aging population. Low um, birth rate. Low birth rate. Yep. We're going to have huge numbers of people who are over the age of 80 as a percentage of the population. It's just going to be huge by 2050. And we're not going to have enough workers. We already have a worker shortage. You know, everybody's talking about the record unemployment. But and we need workers to pay into the taxes to fund Social Security, Medicare. Well, we do. We do. Right? And one of the, I mean, I'm, I'm a retired military officer. The shocking thing about the U.S. military today is they can't meet their recruiting goals. They can't find enough qualified American citizens to serve in the military right now. The Army missed its recruiting goals by a mile this fiscal year, and they're, you know, they're trying to make up for it by giving giant bonuses, and they still can't find enough qualified people to join the military. So the military right now is hurting. They don't have enough soldiers. Uh, it's been in the news, and the only way to, you know, they're going to try to give giant bonuses to people who join, but even that is not alleviating the problem. They've, they've been trying that, well, and it's that, not working. This would be a whole different podcast, and we should do it sometime, but the program you helped create, MAVNI, Military ascension vital to national interest, right? That lets right. people here, immigrants, join the military and get citizenship. That's been ended or halted, hasn't it? And the Trump administration completely halted it. And it was it's very popular, dead. very yeah. effective. Some of those folks won marathon, Marine Corps marathon, right? And and uh, well, one of them got a silver medal for the United States in the Olympics. Yeah, in and Rio, and so five thousand meter men's race. Hugely successful program, and, and and that was in the news a while ago. They were talking about it was everywhere. right. So now, I mean, if if people are thinking about joining the military the one good thing i guess if you're a native-born american is that they're waiving a lot of the previous rules that prevented people from joining the military so if you have a criminal record it's easier to get in now oh great yeah the charlottesville killer was one of the people they let in he got a waiver for schizophrenia oh wow then he washed out of the army five months later and then he went to charlottesville and killed that woman but you know, Jeez. it's the military's hurting for troops. So what are the, what are the issues? Waivers. I mean, it's, it's it's physical fitness standards, it's criminal backgrounds, it's it's mental mental health issues, right? All of those. Yeah, they're giving more waivers for drug use and criminal and so forth and so on. And you know, the, if you talk to military leadership, they'll say, "Well, we won't give a waiver to anybody that's gonna you know do something bad in the military." But past experiences that a certain percentage of these folks do something bad. Um, there's a book about Blackhearts. It's about a young man who was given a waiver to get into the army, and he went over to Iraq, Iraq and w- raped a girl and burned the family house down and killed everybody, and he's now doing life at Fort Leavenworth. And he was given a waiver, you know, conduct. Well, I mean, yeah, it would send a reason if there's a r- rule in place and there's a waiver needed. The rule's there for some reason. Well, it's <laughs> for statistical. They, they realize statistically if you have certain kinds of backgrounds, you're not going to do very well in the military. I mean, we're giving you a gun. Right. You know, and so we we need to be responsible about who we let into the military. Remember the picture you showed me a while back of you with the fifty caliber? It's a great, yeah, great, great picture. Do you still have that? Yep. <laughs> I still do. I still one. got. Yeah. They said they they give the smallest person the fifty, right? Um. Yeah. They. That was the joke. My squad elected me to, me to be the machine gunner for the squad because I was the smallest <laughs> person was in the squad. Big, <laughs> gun was almost as big as you. Well, I could take it apart and put it back together really fast in the dark. Well, um, so. Margaret, I appreciate you doing this. I, I know that a lot of folks, when we do the podcast, they like to listen, and you, you have a great depth of knowledge on this topic. And um, Oh, I, yeah, I, no problem. Thanks for having me on board. Um, just keep in mind that I know the president says he can do this. Whether he'll do it is an open question, but whatever, if he does attempt to change the 14th Amendment, you, you just can't do that with an executive order. You need Congress to amend the Constitution 
or the American people to amend the Constitution, but you can't. The president can't amend the Constitution with an executive I think, order. I think if he was real smart, maybe he'd put you in charge of immigration matters for the country. Well, I don't think uh, he would like the position I'm taking. That what he said he wanted to do would be unconstitutional. <laughs> so I doubt very much I'm going to get appointed to the highest ranks of the Obama, the uh, Trump administration. <laughs> All right, Margaret. Well, thanks. Thanks again. I appreciate it. You're very busy, and um, I'm sure, sure we'll do this in the future again. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Okay, thanks. Look forward Bye. to talking to you in the future. Yeah, man, if Take you guys want to do a podcast, have any ideas for anybody uh, to be in the podcast, let me know, and I'm happy to uh, try and accommodate that. We'll uh, talk to you guys next time. Landline.